Welcome to our podcast, The Mac and Wooly Show, a podcast where we discuss and explore the intersection of spirituality and business leadership. I'm Jennifer Wooly, one of your hosts. And I'm Nydia McGregor, your other host. Today, we're going to be talking about WFH. Wait, can we, can we really talk about, can we really talk about that? WTF? Uh, no, I'm talking about WFH, working from home. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something many of us have had a lot more experience with now than we did previously. We're going to look especially at the challenges to both spirituality and business leadership when we work from home. You mean like eating cereal every day for lunch because we don't have time to make anything else because we have a gazillion Zoom calls? And not that we know anybody who does that. Hey, breakfast of champions at all meals of the day. What's wrong with that? I, I, I totally that. agree. Okay, more seriously, many of us have transitioned to working from home during the pandemic, and going forward, many of us are going to continue to work from home or have altered uh, working patterns. And there's two minds. You know, on one hand, working from home can provide a sense of relief because we don't have to commute and we can have our furry friends by our side all day. And I'm not talking about that hairy coworker. (laughs) We know who we're talking about. But on the other hand, there are a lot of complaints about it, you know, like, my furry friend likes to walk across my keyboard and send emails to Chewy. <sighs> Nidia, what have you heard? Well, Has your furry friend spent, sent emails to Chewy? My furry friend chooses not to come up on top of my keyboard because my furry like friend you. is a pooch. In any case. Um, like that stops I- them. <laughs> I have heard a lot of noise, some chatter from friends and family, and they're pretty loud and consistent about the downsides of working from home. Um, You know, things like my sister in Seattle told me Zoom fatigue is real. It's like burning my eyes out with acid is what she she said. My eyes are burning right now. I don't know. Uh, I had a student who told me working from home is completely isolating. I feel so lonely. I, I, I'm she, This person's single, single. They don't live with any roommates. And so the isolation they're talking about is, is overwhelming. Um, I've had colleagues who've sort of just posed the question rhetorically. Does it seem like there's more work? Zoom meetings and emails are just one giant pile that I stare at all day. <laughs> um, and we, we all seem to feel like there's more work, except, you know, if you look at it sort of in terms of the evidence there really isn't more work it's just different and it includes all these all these meetings I, I don't know my personal observation is that some of the problem besides the zoom fatigue and and um, the sense of isolation is that no one knows when the workday ends so we're connected in every waking moment every waking moment and this, I, I've heard the same thing, and I've heard it from a wide range of people, from young professionals to those who are farther along in their careers. And if you happen to have kids, then there's an entirely new set of constraints and stressors. Seriously, whoever thought the grade school kids would adapt well to Zoom? I don't think they were thinking very clearly, or, or they don't actually have children. Ah, good point, good point. So the discomfort. I'm just going to say discomfort isn't just the newbies who are, you know, starting their career on Zoom and aren't able to keep up or those senior folks who are too calcified to get on Zoom. Everyone is feeling it. And now we're talking about universal Zooming crispy critters. 
Oh, no, the crispy critters are back. Who aren't allowed to turn off their cameras. You know, we're all experiencing this incredible fatigue, this emotional, physical, and dare I say, spiritual exhaustion. Oh, yeah. That's the word for it. Exhaustion. A kind of weariness that that just doesn't seem to be restored by a night's sleep. Sleep? Sleep? What sleep? Uh, Okay. When you sleep. Okay. When you consider it, though, I don't know why we should be quite so surprised that we're just so tired. Uh, You know, working from home is is it's just more taxing. The routines, the rhythm, the structures that are usual or what we considered our usual work life and commutes provided have completely disappeared. I mean, think about it. Typically, folks have a really time constrained routine for when they leave for the office um, or whatever their shift is. And they may not have had any choice about that based on either commute or the expectations at work that you work nine to five or or you're assigned in some cases a particular Mm -hmm. shift or simply when daycare opens, right? Um, So even when we're not choosing or there's some kind of implicit acceptable ways of operating, they still provide structure. Mm -hmm. So commute or traditional working hours or being organized around hours when you have childcare or when your kids are at school. Many, if not all of those are irrelevant, I'm sorry, irrelevant, I'll say that again, (laughs) irrelevant when you or all your household are working from home. And yet all of those structures I was talking about, right? The commute structure, the traditional working hours, kids going to school at certain times, those were guardrails that have just suddenly evaporated. And instead we're at loose ends where the one thing of the day bleeds right into the next. I think that's a really good way to put it. You know, guardrails from keeping us from going off the edge, not just boundaries, but guardrails. And the guardrails separating our work and our home lives are gone. Before working from home, many people complain that it's hard to leave work. You know, we're already expected to be essentially on call, but now it's worse. Now there are no guardrails. Leaving the office means basically getting up and getting another bowl of Cheerios. You're really on a Cheerio theme. Do I need to get you some food? Maybe. Cookies? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, even in the new working from home normal, things are evolving as people have tried to adapt. New or no constraints have also changed over time as we evolve what works and doesn't for our organizations or for our schools or for our families. So what might have been true when we all started with distance working and distance learning has shifted two or three more times <laughs> on top of just being the working from home scenario. Yeah. So now we're all fumbling around in the dark, looking for the light switch. Uh, but this has real ramifications. You know, seriously, this can lead to feelings of burnout, resentment, resentment you know, unhappiness, stress, anxiety. And when this happens, people find it easier to let their ethical... Uh, guidelines slip and their character falters. And this is a really dangerous path that can really erode our sense of spiritual grounding. I, I, I I wanted to say I like that image, but I don't like that image, but I think it's (laughs) apt, right? It's this sense of, of, of slipping, right? Without a spiritual grounding, you're just sort of slipping along. You don't have anything that uh, you can catch onto. Yeah. So, We've got this situation where there used to be guardrails set, sometimes arbitrarily, and at least not necessarily by us, and now those are gone. And the uncertainty 
alone can be anxiety provoking. Yeah. But I, I think that there are at least two bits of good news here in and among all of our flailing or slipping, <laughs> as we were saying, right? First, we can make the decisions about where, how, and when to work. The old structures used to be provided for us, but now, hey, we're in charge. We can, and 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 we will do it. Yeah, so even though it's it's not perfect and it doesn't work 100% of the times, basically we can establish our own guardrails to give us a, just a little bit more control or sense of control. And what I like to call in the past prioritization, you know, simple prioritization, now becomes ruthless prioritization. What? Ruthless prioritization? Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. I've heard that when people make to-do lists, by and large, there's a bunch of things that people put on there that just can't get done. They won't get done. Oh, okay. Right. I know what you mean. Right. So I don't know about you, but I have a bunch of things on my to-do list that will have to wait till next week. There's just no way that all of the things that are on my list will actually fit into the hours that I've got for this week. Right. They, they have to get done. I just literally don't have the time. Right. And we have to be realistic about what we can accomplish. So it helps to figure out the big picture and how the stuff we're doing or trying to do at least contributes to that goal. But this doesn't mean that we get to neglect all of the things we don't want to do, does it? Um, I mean, there are (laughs) plenty of things that actually need to stay on the list, right? So, right. Of course, there are things that have to stay on the list that either we don't want to do or we don't think are essential, but have to get done. But if we take some time to really prioritize, take a holistic look at the situation and the list and consider what we're able to accomplish, it's kind of easier to draw our own boundaries. And this also helps us remember that we are not superhuman. And sometimes our bosses kind of forget about this. But at a certain point, something has to give. So ruthless prioritization helps you determine, okay, this is what I can get done. This is what I'm contributing to. And this is what is needs to get done. If somebody really wants me to do something else, or even if it's something that we want to put on our list ourselves, you know, something to add, something has to come off because it's just not going to work. Oh, oh, so this is like what happens in my closet, right? Whereas if I want to buy one more sweater, but I don't have any more room in my closet, then something in the closet's got to go to make room for that new fashionable sweater that I want. Not that my sweaters are incredibly fashionable. Just Yes, they are. Yes, yes they are. You get the idea. Fashionable. Um, well, or, or you could just have a house full of sweaters and no room to walk. No. My husband already <laughs> accused me, accuses me of that, I'm sure. Well, he, he can get rid of one of his sweaters. So by and by and large, you know, if we think about the sweater situation, you know, there's some that we really like to have and some that we should have, but there are plenty of things that we should do, but we're not going to be able to get done or can't get done. And don't forget, you shouldn't should all over yourself. So this also helps enable us to say no, right? Effectively, what this suggests is that there, we know that there are some things that won't be able to fit. So even in times when we feel like it's difficult to say no, uh, we actually are giving ourselves permission here because we can see the reality of the situation. Everything won't fit into the schedule. And we have to, what is that, ruthlessly prioritize in order to um, 
actually gain some traction on anything. Right. And everybody understands the the analogy of your plate being full. You can't put one more sweater in the closet. You can't put one more thing on the plate because until you get rid of stuff on the plate, there's no room. It's too full. So, you know, this brings up that ruthless prioritization helps you kind of rest on Ruth, but, but, but we'll go with it. Ruthless oh, prioritization. We like Ruth. I miss Ruth. Uh, anyway, um, so ruthless prioritization helps you set your own uh, guardrails. So this is, as you were saying, the first bit of good news. What's the second one? The second one is we can use skills developed as business professionals to help here. In particular, the one we'll talk about right now is the time budget. The what? The time budget. You know, it's the, it's sort of the same idea of the plate, only it deals with time. There are only 24 hours in a day and only 168 hours in a week. Did I do that math right? Yes, 168 hours in a week. <laughs> so like your finances or your sweaters or your department budget, make decisions up front for how to allocate your time. It's really personal. It's a reflection of your own personal preferences, values, goals. But here again, no one is doing this for us, so we have to do it for ourselves. So this means taking more control or putting guardrails around some of those 168 hours. Exactly. By setting the start and stop of the workday and what will be accomplished during that time enables us to constrain the workday and the work tasks to something that we can actually manage. Okay, so this makes us to really really forces us to make decisions about anything that we need to allocate time for. And knowing, of course, that something's going to come up and, you know, that we need to have a little bit of buffer, but we can try to factor that in as well. Oh, sure. If you have loads of email that you need to reply to every day, you need to write a report or prepare a presentation, you know, some heads down time. Well, Put that into your weekly time budget, two hours every day to reply to email or this heads downtime to write a report or, or prepare for that presentation. <laughs> I see an Excel spreadsheet in my future. And you know how much you I always have an Excel. I know you you always have Excel spreadsheets in your future. I love them. <laughs> but but, you know, when, as we're talking about this, I can I can really see the the spiritual side, the spiritual connections. Uh, if we re- define our routine before we're in it. We don't have to decide what to do in any moment. It reduces the stress and anxiety because we've put up some boundaries on our time. So once a week, we spend the energy on those decisions, meaning the decisions around what we're going to do, when we're going to do them, freeing us up during the actual day to just get to the doing, to be present in those tasks. And each day we have a little bit better expectation of when, how, and where we'll get the work done. Reducing uncertainty and that sense that everything is just out of control that we've been experiencing, that slipping and sliding sense we were talking about earlier. I like the way you put that because it, it, by, by prioritizing and having a time budget, you can be more present because you know what, you're, what needs to get done and what you're doing at that particular moment. So you can be present for it. Yeah, yeah. You've already decided essentially that this is, you have the intention of this is what I want to do right now, what I need to do right now, regardless of what other noise might be going on. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode of The Mac Mac and Wooly Show.
Thank you.